0: Thank you for tuning in to Tuolumne Community Baptist Church. I'm so glad that you're here. And I, first of all, want to apologize for not being here last week. I was invited to be part of the celebration, the Memorial Day celebration uh, out at Carter Cemetery last week. And so I attended that. And my brother, Jim Reveille, covered me here uh, that Sunday. So anyway, I I apologize. But we are going to finish up the book of John. We're in chapter 21. Um, This is a pretty amazing way to final out this series. Um, I kind of entitled this one, I didn't write the title anywhere, but I've entitled it uh, The Peter Dilemma. Um, And so anyway, I think you'll enjoy it. I hope that you enjoy it. I hope that you've enjoyed this series as much as I have in bringing it to you. Um, It's been a wonderful series. I I believe the Lord's gonna lead us to go right into the book of Acts and we're gonna look at the very beginning of the church. Uh, But again, I'll let the Lord make that final decision. He may uh, have me do a few standalone messages. You never know before we jump right to another uh, sermon series. But we will see, I will let you know next week. God bless you, I hope you enjoy this message today. Um, I pray that you come out and visit us sometime. And be with us here at Tuolumne Community Baptist Church, here in Tuolumne. God bless you. I'll message you to get started here in just a minute. Well, we've made it through the Gospel of John, but it's not going to end here. If the Lord is is leading me the way, I think He is. We're actually going to follow our boys into the Book of Acts. We've kind of got a relationship with them now. We've we've met them all and we're getting to know them even more and I think it would be very appropriate to go to follow them into the Book of Acts and to see how the story continues on. But the thing that I I want you to remember the Word of God is alive and the Holy Spirit uses these words you have already read, you've already heard, to bring you a new revelation and answers into your life. That's why we call it the living word of God. I don't know about you, but when the Lord spoke to me about starting the book of John to go through the book of John, I thought, Lord, really? We got to go back to the ABCs. You know, the book of John, that's that's, when I first got saved. That's the first book. They said, read the book of John. Read the book of John. And I thought, what can I, I? Really? And it has opened up a whole new book to me. It's amazing how it has just transformed my thinking. It's amazing. You know, no matter how many times you read something in the Word of God, it always can become new. This is why we study. There's always something new in God's Word. But you want to have a pop quiz? Oh, you guys are quiet. What a quiet bunch. All right, I'm going to be hard on you then. Pop quiz number one, John 20, 17. Jesus said to her, for I have not yet ascended to my father. What did he say to her? That's right. Do not cling to me. Do not touch me. He did not. He hadn't ascended to the father yet. And it's so amazing that in that scripture, he says, I'm going to go see my father and your father, my God and your God. The first time he had ever said that. It was so amazing. You did okay. Let's go to pop quiz number two. After and after, how many days? His disciples, again, were inside with Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors shut, and I'm sure the doors were locked, and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. How many days was that? Eight days. Eight days. You guys get an A. Well, Jason does. I'll mark you down there, buddy. So let's get into John 21. This is our very last chapter of John. And like I said, it's not going to end here. And I'm a little bit concerned about my time restraints. Uh, but I'm going to try to just put it out of my mind and just take me where the Holy Spirit. Are you guys with me? Uh, by the way, after church, we have cake. We're going to celebrate with the pinroses. For Carrie's gra- or Audrey's graduation, and in in the fellowship hall, so that just bought me more time. Uh-oh. Okay, so I, I'm going to take you to the end of this, and I want to make sure that we get this. I'll try to push uh, to get you through, but I'm not going to let time be a factor. God's time, God's will. Amen. Thank you, brother. So, John 21, verse one. After these sayings, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee. And in this way, he showed himself. Verse 2, Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan in Galilee, the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and two others, two others that aren't named. It's really kind of interesting. You know, there's a lot of people in the Bible that are never named. Your names don't show up in there, but you're in there. Do you believe that? You're in the living word of God. You're in there. You're those two others of his disciples were together. John starts off by saying, after these things, Jesus showed himself. John recorded another of the several appearances of the resurrected Jesus to his disciples. This appearance took place in Galilee region. The Sea of Tiberias is what it calls. Matthew twenty-eight sixteen also records an appearance of the resurrected Jesus to his disciples. Simon Peter, once again, is at the top of the list. Did you notice that? He's right there at the top. Simon Peter right there at the top. He's always at the top of the list of the disciples. This time he was among the seven who joined him in going fishing at the Sea of Galilee. Verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Now, I want you to pay close attention to what I'm going to talk about here for the next few minutes. It's interesting. uh, At uh, Jim's men's group, the Wednesday that I was really studying this, I asked them their opinion. Simon Peter saying, I'm going fishing. Was he going back? Was he going back? Was he throwing in the towel? Was he done? He's, he's had these lived the Jesus movement and he's done. That he saw him crucified. And I know he's rose again and he's seen him, but he's done. Is that what he was saying? Or was he just going fishing? I mean, face it, the people that he had, all the people that were following Jesus were his support line. It was through them that he was getting money to feed his own family, his wife and his mother-in-law that was in his own house. And now that is completely shut off. Jesus has been crucified. Nobody's nobody's out on the road traveling anymore. They They weren't getting any offerings or anything to support them. So could it have been that he was going fishing to make a little money? It's an interesting thought. And I've realized because there's in this particular said of scripture, I have always thought one way, and the Lord has shown me something different this time around. I'm going fishing. Some believe Peter was wrong to go fishing, that it was some sort of compromise returning to his former occupation, and honestly, that's the way I used to feel. Others believe Peter disobeyed no command of Jesus and was simply wise and practical. practical. In the end, Only the attitude of Peter's heart could determine if he was returning back to his old life of fishing or just taking a break from all that they had been through and maybe just trying to make some money. They'd been through more than you can imagine to see their Lord and Savior go through what he went through. I have no idea. I was one of those who first thought Peter was throwing in the towel. Getting this whole Jesus movement, forgetting it, and going back to his old life of a fisherman and not to be a fisher of men. This time, studying through the Gospel of John, I've seen it so differently. And that's why I went to Jim's men's group and to our own men's group and started asking questions. What do you guys think? Because I had always thought maybe I was taught this way. Maybe somebody had preached it to me that, that he was throwing in the towel and he was going back. I'm not sure. But I had to find out for myself. This time, John's gospel, I see it so differently. I've preached how Peter was throwing in the towel and quitting. I started asking all my friends what they thought. Most said, well, I think he needed a break and was just going fishing. We really have no idea what was in Peter's heart. Then the Lord showed me that how I translated this was what was in my own heart. Think about it. How I translated what the word of God had said for all those years as a young Christian, it was what was in my own heart. It's what I was thinking. I know Peter felt this way. It made him sick to his stomach to think that how he denied Christ, whom he loved so much. Like Peter, I too had made too many mistakes. My mistakes made me feel unworthy and worthless. And when I made mistakes, I sure did not want to see anybody from the church. Can I get an amen? I just, I didn't. I didn't want to see anybody from the church. I didn't want anybody to tell me how wrong I was or, or, or that Jesus still loved me. I, I, was, I was ate up inside with my own way of thinking, what was in my own heart. And I think that's why I thought Peter was throwing in the towel because he had made so many mistakes. It was obvious we've seen them. And I've made too many mistakes myself. I mean, I didn't want to see anybody in the church, let alone, come face to face with the resurrected Jesus like Peter had to. Can you imagine? The terrifying feeling that he had when he ran to that empty tomb and he's the one that ran inside the tomb and saw that Jesus wasn't there. The first thing that had to go through his mind wasn't, oh, resurrected Jesus. It was, I have to face him. I have to face him for the things I've said and the things I've done. But you see, I've grown in my walk with Christ. Getting is never, quitting is never an option. My faith has become who I am. Do I still make mistakes just as Jim? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Sometimes I'll say something totally inappropriate. Sometimes I'll drive too fast. Sometimes I'll get angry at that slowpoke on Tuolumne Road. Or worse yet, the guy that's riding my tail behind me. I still make mistakes. Fewer these days, praise God. But I don't want to throw in the towel because of my mistakes. Because now I know truly who I am in Christ. So whatever you're thinking is about Peter's decision to go back fishing is okay. Because whatever you're thinking is, I believe we've all been there. Maybe he just just need a break. And obviously the other guys that went with him were feeling the same way. And they agreed, let's go fishing. They fished through the night and had no success. Whether their motives were good or bad that night, they caught nothing. But when the morning came, Jesus stood there on the shore. Yet the disciples, this is verse four, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. I understand that why they didn't recognize him at first. They didn't know that he was there. We don't know exactly how far off the shore they were. And you know what it's like in the, the, in the morning when the sun hasn't completely come up, but yet there's light. You know, you can see, and there's, there's this foggy mist coming up off the water, and they see this man standing over there. They don't know that it's Jesus. The light was low. And verse 5, Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? Isn't that great? Think about it. This man on the shore says, Children, not men. He loved them. They were his boys. Children, do you have any food? Then they answered him, Nope. To be a fisherman, a man must expect disappointments. He must often cast in the net and bring up nothing but weeds. The minister of Christ must reckon upon being disappointed. Can I get an amen? Because you're going to be. You're not always going to catch the fish. He must be weary. and He must not be weary in well-doing for all his disappointments, but in faith must continue in prayer and labor, expecting that in the end he shall receive his reward. That was a quote by Spurgeon, but I love it. Amen. We will receive our reward in the end, even if it seems like it was a big waste of time. It's wonderful to think that Jesus showed up at their place of work. These guys are fishermen. He'll show up at your work, too. He was interested in the things in their lives. Not just the fact that they were attending a religious service. You know, they were there at church. The risen redeemer and ruler was showing men his interest in and the power in the common places of their lives. And he's there for you too. He's interested in the common places. He shows up at your work. Can I get an amen? He does. He's with you. He shows up. Let's look at verse 6. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Now this is that guy standing on the shore that they don't know exactly who it is. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Do you remember when when Peter first met Jesus? That's exactly what happened. In Luke's gospel, Jesus said, Push your boat into the deep and cast your net. Luke 5 5, Simon Peter answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. Jesus made a strange suggestion to the disciples. There was no logical reason why fishing in the morning light would be any better than fishing at night. There was no reason why fishing on one side of the boat is better than fishing on the other side. It wasn't even directly a test of trust in Christ because at this event in John, they did not know it was him until the fish they caught. This was probably a test of their ability to find the guidance of God in small, unexpected ways. Sean, you better say amen. Such as a stranger calling out fishing instructions from the shore. We need to learn from these experiences. We need to. Sometimes, Sean, it'll seem the most unlikely, homeless-looking guy that brings you the answer you need. It's just amazing how God works. Let's look at John twenty one verse seven. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, which was not terribly ethical, but it was it was probably warm, and he removed it and he plunged into the water. He plunged into the sea. John was the first to recognize, but Peter was the first in devotion and threw on his armor and garment and threw, uh, threw himself into the water to reach Jesus as soon as possible. The boat couldn't move quickly enough for Peter, and I think he didn't want to be for John to be first again. You, we've seen all the way through this the rivalry between Peter and John. And John's always that little squirrely guy getting up there next to Jesus, laying his head on Jesus' breast, listening to him talk. He's always that guy that's, you know, seems to be Jesus' little pet. Peter wasn't going to let that happen this time. He just jumped in. He just jumped into the water. Look at verse 9. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Verse 9, then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. And Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153 and although there were so many, the net was not broken. They saw the fire of coals. They were there and laid fish on it, and there was bread. And when his disciples came to shore, including the wet Peter, they noticed that the resurrected Jesus is still a humble servant. He took trouble to prepare a fire and to cook food for these disciples. Full of large fish, 153. Peter took initiative and dragged the heavy net in by himself. I could just see Peter doing that. See, I always see Peter as this guy that's buff. You know, he's he's you know little John's kind of a little little guy, but Peter, he's, he's like Manny. He's big guy. He's, he's gonna jump in there and pull that, pull that net in there. And it was full of these fish. Through the centuries, there have been many, many attempts to explain why the number 153. Kind of an interesting thing. We have a God of numbers. Everything has a meaning. Some have noted that 153 is the added numerical value of Greek words of Peter and fish. I'm not sure they where they're going with that. Don't know. Some note... In Hebrew characters, Simon Iona is equivalent to 118 times 35, i.e. 153. I'm still completely, that was Dodds, and I'm completely confused. Some ancient writers, such as Jerome, believed that there were 153 different types of fish in the world, and his catch represented a full harvest of the entire world. Well, okay. All right. Some, such as Cyril of Alexandria, thought that the 100 stood for the Gentiles, the 50 stood for the Israel, and the 3 stood for the Trinity. Well, maybe. The truth is, the truth is, all we know is that there was 153 represents the number of the fish that were in the net. The interpretations of numbers in the Bible warns us against creating hidden meanings in the Bible text. Peter never landed a haul of fish without counting them. And John, the fisherman, he, as he was, would never forget the number of his largest takes. This is what fishermen do. They count and they measure and they tell stories. Can I get an amen? I was wanting Tim to be here. Because he has told some fish stories and actually tried to kill me once on an ocean excursion. Literally. But I've forgiven him. And I was waiting for Tim to be there to say amen because fishermen tell stories. How big their fish were and how many they caught. So don't worry about the 153. That was how many fish that were in the net. John 20 verse 12. Jesus said to them. Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. They knew it was Him, but yet they weren't sure. Hmm. Interesting, huh? Sounds like a human condition I live in. The Lord reveals Himself to me in many ways, and yet I say, Is that the Lord? Is that the Lord? And yet he's right there. Just like with those guys. Verse 12, 13 says, Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. Verse 14, now this is the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. This brings us to point number one, and honestly, The only point in the message. The the direction of the conversation changes. You go, it's all about me? Well, you might be thinking that I'm talking about Peter all this time, that the direction of the conversation must be about Peter. Well, yes, it is. You'll see in the text, it is. But could it be about you? Could it really be about you? Let's look at verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? There's been some controversy on that too. It's more than these, the other disciples, which I believe it was, or this 153 fish. You know, that's a large number of a catch. Could pay a lot of bills. You love me more than these. And Peter answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. Then he said to him a second time. And you notice he's not saying Simon Peter. It's interesting. He's taking him down to his, his birth name. Simon, son of Jonah. Do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, okay, then feed my sheep. You think it probably should end about there, but it doesn't. He says to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Why is it that you're wanting me to say it? Can't you hear the conversation? Can you see what's going through his mind? And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Lord, you know that I love you. Peter's love. Peter did not doubt Peter's love. Jesus did not doubt Peter's love. I'm sorry. He knew that Peter loved him as though they were brothers. They were approximately the same age, same generation. However, Jesus wanted to affirm his love again to help Peter feel confident as a true disciple of Christ. I'm telling you, sometimes we need to be broken down. We need to be broken down. We need to reconfirm our love for Christ, even though he knows that I love him. But he knows that the mistakes I've made are going to stand in my way of that relationship. This is exactly why, if I can get through this thing in time, we're going to take communion at the end. Because I think every one of you should respond to this message. And we're going to do that by taking communion and recommitting our love for Christ. Jesus did not ask Peter, will you and your wife become evangelists? Will you endure persecution to the end? Will you lay down your life for me? That was the plan for Peter's life. But he only asked, do you love me? That's what really counts, isn't it? If you really love someone, you will do anything possible that your loved one needs. That's what you do. As Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He said that in John 14, 15. That was earlier in this series. Love is as important as faith. If you love Jesus... He said, I am the bread of life, and those who come to me will not hunger, and those who believe in me will not thirst, John 6, 35. But faith alone is not enough. Jesus also requires that we totally love him. This Peter did, and I believe you do too. You too can affirm your love for Jesus. And so be strengthened and encouraged. After all, the feeling is mutual. Jesus totally loves you too. We mess up all the time. We somehow deny him in our daily lives. Even like when Sean was telling us sometimes his concerns, when you have those concerns and you're not giving them to God, you're not trusting him, that's denying him. That's saying, I don't trust you. And that's why each and every one of us, we're all part of this Peter syndrome. We noticed that Peter was grieved because Jesus said to him the third time, do you love me? Sometimes our feelings have to be hurt so that our conscience can be cleared and our love is confirmed. Not many days previously, when Jesus was facing death, Jesus and Peter had another conversation. You remember that? Jesus told Peter, Where I am going, you cannot follow me. But you will follow me later. That was John 13. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Do you remember Peter saying that? And he meant it. Until he began to see what they were doing to our Lord. And had fear set in fear set in and i believe peter meant it with his own heart father i give you all and jesus answered you will lay down your life for me truly truly i say to you the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times so just as peter had denied jesus three times the risen Jesus now asked Peter to affirm his love three times. This made Peter sorrowful, but it helped him to move on without the burden and guilt and regret. It helped him to prepare the task at hand. You too may love Jesus with all your heart, yet be grieved that in some way you have let him down. And I know this only to be true because I'm speaking in my own personal experience. I have been here. You too can square things up with Jesus, receive forgiveness, renew your love, and move forward walking with him. Number three was Peter's task. Jesus states Peter's task in three words, feed my sheep. Peter would understand that the sheep Jesus referred to were people. Peter was to lead people to the green pasture that gives everlasting life. The world today is full of pastors and shepherds engaged in all kinds of ministries and services. But with what food are these shepherds serving the Lord's sheep? That's a question we're thinking about. Shall we feed the Lord's sheep with stories and personal testimonies? And personal testimonies are good. I share mine all the time, but I try not to get into social and political decisions. Irrelevant uh, religious issues, philosophy, popular psychology, miracle meetings, and good feeling entertainment. Each one has its place, but the food that Jesus was referring to is the living word of God. That's what he was referring to. In some quarters, pastors and ministers may need to prayerfully focus on those three words, feed my sheep, and examine what food they provide to their flock of Christ. Peter offers three words of his own. God speaks these words. Listen to this, 1 Peter four eleven. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. That in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That was Peter. Years later. Speaking the word of God. You too have sheep and lambs to mature and feed. For food you have the words of God. That were given to Peter's generation. And have passed down. To you in scripture, Jesus says, feed my sheep. And Jim, that's exactly what you're doing, is feeding your sheep. When you're ministering to men, you're feeding his sheep. They need that food. Verse 18 says, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. When I first read that, I didn't understand myself, even though John's gonna give us. Verse 19, he says, "'This he spoke, signifying what kind of death "'he would glorify God.' "'And when he has spoken this, he said to him, "'Follow me.'" Think about it for a minute. Peter was just told by the resurrected king you're going to die a martyr. They're going to gird you and they're going to carry you away and they're going to hang you on a cross. Can you hang with that? He was straight with him. He was straight with him. And Jesus says the same thing to Sean. He says the same thing to myself. It's not always going to be easy. It's going to be a tough road. It's going to be tough and can I hang? Can I do this? It's not always going to be easy. And Jesus said, just follow me. The first part of verse 18, Jesus refers to when you were young, there is nothing more dangerous than getting into the habit of saying, I do it as I like, however you want to cover it. Some say, I indulge in natural inclinations because I'm young. A man or a woman must have their filling that's what they're thinking because we're young we must have just fill ourselves with all our needs i must sow my wild oats in a quiet corner where nobody will see the crop that's going to be coming up and when i get old as you pastor george i will do as you do Hmm. young men young men will be young men You know all that sort of talk. This is a for certain fact that whoever puts the reins in charge, that's the living word of God, over his or her life when they are young, will put the reins and the whip into their hands when they are old, which will now drive his or her life into eternity. No matter what this life may look like, it will always be there. Think of it. Think of it. Peter now knows what kind of death he would suffer, and yet he doesn't walk away. I didn't say it was going to be easy. He stayed. But then look at the very next verse, verse 20. Then Peter turned around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following. Oh, there he is again, that John. There he is, who also leaned on the breast. At the supper and said, Lord, who's the one that betrays you? Peter, seeing him, verse 21, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Can you feel him? It was, it was a lapse of for a moment. Think about it. What about this guy? What about it? You know, we, we, we think that we would never get involved in anything like that in our lives. We would never. Look, can I use an illustration? Manny, can I use you? Tyler, I want to use you. Uh, Manny has said to me in times past, hey, pastor, I'll, uh, I'll run that PowerPoint for you. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll train you sometime. I'll teach you something. I'll show you. And then all of a sudden, this new guy comes in church. He's just been around here for a few weeks, a month or so. And now he's sitting back there running the PowerPoint. Doesn't that make you angry, Manny? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) what about this guy? But that's how we are. We go, wait a minute. All of a sudden, pastor's showing this guy all this, you know, favor. And I've been around here for a year or two now. And, you know, he didn't show me any favor. He didn't ask me to do the thing I said I I would gladly help him to do. See how foolish we are? So Jesus said to him, Jesus said in verse twenty-two, "If I will, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? Just follow me. Just follow me. So, man, you get that thought out of your head. Just follow me. I'm about it. All right. <laughs> Just follow me. Then the say, saying went out, verse twenty-three, among the disciples." that John would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. Just if I will, that he remain till I come. What is that to you? What is that to you? We do that so often. We look at other people in the congregation that are that maybe are being blessed, you know, beyond compare and things are coming. I'm going, wait a minute, God. What What's up with that? I've been here slaving all this time and I didn't get a nice big new trailer. I got a little bitty one. I got a little bitty one. Verse 24. This is a disciple who testifies these things and wrote these things that we know that his testimony is true. Do you see what John is saying? He was there, he saw all these things that he's told us firsthand. He wrote them probably 30 years later. When he wrote this, Peter probably had already been crucified. The Bible doesn't talk to us about Peter's crucifixion. Historians have, have told us, that Peter refused to be crucified as his Lord and they crucified him upside down. Brutal. Peter became an incredibly strong man in Christ, even to the point of death. Verse 25, it says, And there are so many things, other things that Jesus did, which they, if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that were written. Amen. It, tradition tells us that Peter was executed. And we need to look at the Peter syndrome and realize and I don't care how holy you are how many years that you've been in church we still do it don't we Andy we still have our doubts we still have our fears we still deny Christ and the stupid stupid things we do we still do it and we didn't mean to because we love him and I know that you do I love him too Jim and Marvin, will you guys come? Joe. We're going to take communion over this message. For those of you who are listening at home on the podcast, go get a cracker and a little cup of water or whatever and take communion with us and come see us as soon as you possibly can.